Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of Wake Up Options, presented by Miami University Fighters Guild. All of our opinions here on this podcast are not a representation of the university or our organization as a whole. My name is Matt, and I am joined today by fellow officers of the organization, Joe and Benny. How you doing, guys? Hi. Um, I'm doing pretty well this fine morning. I am doing outstandingly. Thank you for asking. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Benny's got a lot of energy today, and I love it. <laughs> so... Thanks to everybody who tuned in to the last podcast last week. We really appreciate it. Got a lot of positive feedback, and we're ready this week with a new set of topics and some more opinions, discussions, everything of the sort. Because Benny and Joe here are probably the most avid grassroots FGC supporters I've ever seen in my entire life. Awesome. These guys are the creme de la creme of Skullgirls and all of its glory. <laughs> they got me into the game, and the game is good. <laughs> so, oh, it's very good. I remember when I first joined the club, I was... Skullgirls is just my favorite fighting game, and I was, like, super surprised to know that there was actually someone else who plays Skullgirls, and I was delighted. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When I joined the club a year before that, Skullgirls is what made me stick around, because, man, that art style just dragged me right out. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, grassroots FGC games like Skullgirls, or uh, ones that are coming out these days, like Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, which I think will turn into more grassrooty, but it's super popular. <laughs> uh, but like Killer Instinct is my grassroots game. That's like it was big when it came out, but now it's more grassrooty. Right. It's lowing on that MVCI, despite all the negative connotations that Marvel's Capcom Infinite had, it still has a great following and people who play it a lot. Well, I mean, yeah, the gameplay is still pretty good in that game. Oh, absolutely. I love Venom in that game, <laughs> and I'm biased. <laughs> Valid. But no, Skullgirls is a fantastic game. If there's anything you should take away from this podcast, it's to play that game. <laughs> Big Band's a great character. I guarantee it. Skullgirls for Evo, please. But yeah, well, uh, <laughs> you guys said that Skullgirls is what kept you into this organization. But what do you think about people who are really struggling to keep those kind of games, like games that are smaller, that might not just be necessarily Skullgirls, but grassroots game in general is alive. What kind of stuff do you, like, if you had to give a person advice on how to keep a grassroots scene going, what would you think? I would say, like, make sure you keep an avenue for players who are interested to actually get together and play together. Because it's important to actually feel like there are people willing to play with you. And, you know, I'm willing to bet that for most fighting games, there are people willing to actually play with you. It's just that you need to give them that avenue. Like, I remember one of the ways I got into Skullgirls was because I joined, like, a Discord server dedicated to Skullgirls. That's right. Yeah, Discord server is really good. Mm -hmm. How about you, Joe? It's important to make it clear that you're having a lot of fun and that it's a game that anyone can play. They don't need to have been playing this for years. I know that uh, Melee tends to have an issue with new issues. <laughs> yeah. There's such a high skill ceiling in that game. And there are some in some of these other grassroots games. Not like Marvel vs. Capcom 3? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3. It's awesome to see that that game is still thriving. Yeah, no kidding. I was actually really into Marvel vs. Capcom 3 when I first got into the FGC after I, you know, finished, you know, messing around with Street Fighter 4. And that was one of the first games that I actually really enjoyed actually learning the characters for. Oh, absolutely. Marvel vs. Capcom is going to have a renaissance, especially with the Marvel vs. Capcom 2 and Evo. Which yeah. You, yeah. You can hear more about of our opinions on that last week's podcast, but I'm super happy for the renaissance of that game. That game deserves so much more from Capcom in general, and they have the fans. It's really good. What about you, Joe? You played Marvel a little bit. Uh, a tiny bit. It's nice that they have like various Capcom characters like... Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. Oh, that's yeah. a lot of fun to see. Well, that's mostly in Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. I wish they were in Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Right. Oh, that's kind of what I played, actually. Sorry? I haven't played uh, 3. Oh, I gotcha. Oh, uh, okay. I love the... Well, I love Marvel and Marvel comics Dude, and stuff like me. that. So <laughs> I am, I'm a very big fan. Venom is my favorite comic book character. Dude, my team in Marvel vs. Capcom 3 is just... 
Deadpool, Spider-Man, and Dante. <laughs> Man, that's a great tee. Yeah. Not the best favorite team. Yeah. I always said if I was going to ever pick up Marvel 3, I would tear whore it up and pick Virgil immediately. <laughs> I love the character too much. Oh, nice. It's so much fun. It's, it's nice to see how some of those games, like, over time, like, certain metas develop. Like, for MVC3, it was definitely, like, the Virgil, Doctor Doom, and stuff like that. But as the game went further, there were some people, like, uh, there was a person whose name I cannot recall who played a team of Hagar, Sentinel, and Hulk who, who really reinvented some things in the game because he really found out how to make those characters work. Which was super interesting. And I'll ask to you guys. You guys are super big. Like, once you find a fighting game you like, you stick to it, you play it over and over. What are the things that you look for? Um, first of all, diversity. I don't want to feel like every character is the same. I want to feel like when I'm playing a character, I actually have a whole new uh, set of skills to learn. I want to feel like there is actual diversity in how I can play. Kind of what keeps me away from fighters. All the characters look very similar with their <laughs> universal anti-air and their launcher and their teleport. And mm-hmm. uh, there's nothing that that draws me to a particular character. So there's nothing that keeps me coming to the game. Right. Yeah. If I remember correctly, like, uh, I don't know how much, like, Dragon Ball the show series you've watched. But oh, if, like, amount. yeah, like, you have plenty amount. And that's what really sells that game, you know, the IP, the yeah. character. The characters may be a little samey. I think they're going in better directions now with mm-hmm. characters like Kefla coming out. Again, something we talked about previously, but like Kefla, Ultra Instinct Goku, uh, Jiren was a really different <laughs> character. Even though he's not considered the best in the game, he was very different. Janemba, all those characters that started coming out as DLC started being a little more different. Though you, they still had some of the things that you talked about. Universal Antiers, all of them have the Vanish Attack. Things, like, <laughs> things of that nature. Right. But anyway, the talk of the town these days is what's going on with Capcom. Street Fighter V. <laughs> Goodness. Street Fighter V Champion Edition's launch came with a new patch to its netcode, which implemented a fan made a mod that fixed an issue with the time synchronization of the kindly patchily made together rollback netcode that Street Fighter V had originally, but only worked for PC. So if it crossed over to PS4 games, then it just it, it wrecked the it PS4 wrecked experience. It. it wrecked it. So Capcom had to fix it naturally. But the way they went about it was very vague and not good. Hmm. Uh, it, from what I hear, it seems like they didn't actually fix the netcode per se. They just sort of made it so the mod no longer has you know much significance, which you know I you know appreciate because there it, there's no reason for PC players to have an unfair advantage over PS4 players. Right, but at the same time, that P, that PC mod did create. So, like, a better experience for PC players because it fixed the time sync issues mm. in the netcode, which they kind of corrected a little bit, but they didn't go the extra mile. They didn't go as far as that one did, which they might not be able to because the sort, some issues with the source code. I mean, if, um, if a fan could do it, why can't Capcom? <sighs> Money and reputation, my oh, friend. Goodness. <laughs> what an inability to. They just don't want to change. Yeah, they do not. I hope, because Capcom has been doing so good recently. Monster Hunter Iceborne oh, from boy. Monster Hunter World is a very good expansion to that game. Feels like a whole new game, right? I haven't uh, touched it myself personally, but it looks, I've, from what I've seen, it looks outstanding. Oh, yeah. And then uh, Resident Evil 3 mm-hmm. coming out. Uh, Devil May Cry 5 was a huge, huge deal. I love that game. Well, um, Monster Hunter Riders, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's... Uh, Something to look forward to. There you go. But suffice it to say, what they're doing with Street Fighter might be a bit lackluster in comparison. Right. They're fighting game division, especially with Street Fighter V. Now, 
they're getting better because they did release a patch many days later about what they actually did to change the netcode. Mm -hmm. But it was too little too late, right? The fighting game division just has a clear lack of communication. Yeah, a little bit. And it makes me a bit upset when you see or see much better netcode with a bunch of other games. Right. You that's, know, that Skullgirls game, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Skullgirls Killer Instinct. Uh, even a small indie game, Fight of Animals, has very properly introduced GGPO rollback netcode. It's just very good. What Online experiences mm -hmm. in fighting games. Tell me you guys like some of the best that you've had and some of the worst that you've had, if you play online at all. Mm -hmm. uh, well, for me personally... The best I've had is basically just with Skullgirls. Remember, like I told you, I was in a Discord server dedicated to Skullgirls, right? Right. Uh, obviously, the way we played together was online, and I never had any issue connecting. There was no any like really bad lag or anything, and it was just an overall smooth experience. Uh, the worst, I think I did the um, Street Fighter V beta when that was... <coughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was easily the worst experience I had. I was in training mode for way too long. It was just... That's crazy. <sighs> not a good time overall. I, I haven't done very much online play at all. Actually, the Skullgirls experience that I've had is not that good because my computer's just garbage. <laughs> I can tell you a lot more about Dark Souls PvP than I can mm -hmm. about fighting games. Hey, so, that's fair. Netcode matters in not just fighting games. Absolutely. And it, it works in pretty much everything that's not fighting games at this current <laughs> moment in time because people have already figured it out. They know the issue. Right, but with fighting games, you need like very, very precise inputs and things. It might yes. be a bit more difficult to mm -hmm. implement netcode for mm -hmm. that. If they do a delay-based netcode system in like a shooter, it might not be as noticeable. Right. Mm -hmm. But moving on from netcode a little bit. Mm -hmm. There is a game coming out that I know both of you are excited <laughs> for, and it is called Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. Yes. Either of you played the gotcha game. It looks gorgeous and no. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Don't submit to that kind of philosophy. Dude, I have two gotcha games. I don't need another. Dude, I, I have like four gotcha games I play. I don't need another. <laughs> no, Grand Blue looks amazing. First of all, graphic design, 3D, that looks 2D, the same kind of art style that, you know, well, it is made by Arc System Works. Right, it's like the same thing as like Fighters or like Guilty Gear. Yes. Which I really appreciate. Oh yeah, it's very like, it looks like XR's graphics, but like, Instead of them being super smooth for future, like the futuristic setting of Guilty Gear, it is more like it looks more sprite based, kind of like how Fighters is. Yes. To fit the style of Grand Blue, which is already a pretty nice looking game with some good artwork. It's the most popular gacha game in Japan. I'm not going to deny it what it has. <laughs> right. If a gacha game doesn't have good PNGs, it has nothing. Yeah, no so kidding. That's what you're collecting there. Yeah. <laughs> also, if you want to look up uh, what Matt characters Matt plays in fighting games, look up an image of Vasaraga. That guy <laughs> literally does everything for me. Personality, play style, we're working with it. Dude, nice. I haven't looked into what character I want to play, just because, like, they all seem interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't know. When I look at the gameplay, it seems like people are having fun no matter what character they're playing. I'm mostly excited just to get familiar with the new systems of Grand Blue mm -hmm. Fantasy, just because it seems like... <clears throat> A bit more of a grounded fighting game than other Arxis games. Right. Just because, you know, I don't see people in the air as often as in, like, fighters or something. Mm -hmm. And that seems, you know, very exciting to me. Yes. I don't have enough information on me right now to say whether there's an air dash or not. But I know that there's, like, a run mechanic that you would expect in some anime games. Mm -hmm. And the jumps are a little, little floatier, so that could keep it more grounded. Um, every character in the game has... A system that is very similar to Smash Brothers in terms of you can do a special move tied to one button. However, if you do the true command input, like a quarter circle, then you don't have a cooldown on that special move. Dude, that reminds me of like uh, 
Ryu in Smash Brothers, where you can theoretically, you know, that's yeah. what you were saying, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, like the button becomes stronger or something like that. I don't think it changes, like, it being stronger or anything in Grand Blue. It just makes sure that you don't have a cooldown. Unless you use a heavy special variant of it, mm-hmm. which is like an EX enhanced version of the special move, which has some different properties and everything yet to be explored because we <laughs> haven't played the game yet. I know you can get it from Hong Kong right now, but I'm not willing to go through the effort. <laughs> no kidding. Plus, it would take a bunch of time to get here. We may as well just order like the right. English version when it comes out. What about you, Joe? What do you think? Uh, so I heard that uh, there are no combos in the game, but you can have a, a auto combo matched to light, medium, or heavy. That is true. So it makes for a very simple entry-level fighting game. Do you think that's about the, the summary of it? That's what I've heard. Yes. Grand Blue is a very good entry-level fighting game for a that reason it's auto combos done right is what i say games like kof 14 and grand blue and i'm not going to give dragon ball credit for that (laughs) dragon ball does not have a great auto combo system it rewards it far too much yeah like i think certain combos are possible with auto combos yes but but not in actual combos right there's a whole other discussion there but uh grand blue Definitely benefits from having some auto combo stuff because it works into the core neutral of the game and on block strings and a little bit of pressure. They're important, but they're not necessary, Mm -hmm. which is what I think the best implementation of auto combos is. Uh, I know that. God, I keep saying, oh, that's crazy. But (laughs) like, but Percival has a certain block string with his light auto that gives him, I think, a slight frame advantage. But I, again, don't have the game, so I wouldn't know. But Percival and other characters benefiting from the auto combo system definitely caters to some people just jumping into the game. Yes, but I agree. And I think auto combo systems, like at first when I was introduced to them, I wasn't a fan. Just because, you know, I enjoyed Skullgirls, where you were forced to just... Skullgirls is a very not auto combo Yeah, exactly. You need to like lab your own combos in that game. And it's made very clear. Um, The first time I ever ran into like auto combos was like Persona 4 Arena, which... I didn't feel great about it then, and I tried to lab my own combos anywhere. But over time, I've actually uh, grown more okay with auto combos in general, just because I realized that it's a thing we need to, you know, keep new people coming into the FGC. Because a lot of people find that comboing is, like, a big barrier to entry. And, like, I think the auto combos is, like, a good maybe get your feet wet, just understand how a combo feels and looks, so that then you can start labbing your own combos. Mm-hmm. I'd say that by implementing auto combos, they move the focus of the game to neutral, which is a great place to start because if you don't have neutral and you're distracted by the combos, you're never going to improve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for instance, I'll go back to Guilty Gear for a little bit. I did not know how Guilty Gear works. And that's, again, a very not auto combo game. It has the Gatling system where you can just chain moves into each other, which is close but different. Um, I learned Guilty Gear through neutral alone or through playing people that I knew who were really good at the game, and me learning through those interactions, which is a big selling point. So games that are more focused on that at the start can be great. I think Mortal Kombat 11 was a great example of that because they really focused on neutral. However, they also gutted the creativity out (laughs) in the depth of the game a little bit, which has caused a lot of people, including myself, to get a little dry with the game, Mm -hmm. which I think that's a big balance you got to find today because guilty gear strive is people are afraid because it might be going that route too, gutting the creative mechanics in order to cater to neutral only mm-hmm. uh, what, what do you think from what you've seen of grand blue uh, compared to mortal Kombat? 
I think Grand Blue at first when I was looking at it, I thought it was going to be shallow as hell. <laughs> I thought that game was never going to have any depth and it was going to be focusing on auto combos and just the special input button. I'm very happy to say that I'm wrong. Like, Grand Blue has a lot of depth because it has a lot of those moves give to neutral, different neutral strategies in situations. For example, some special moves have armor properties. Uh, some give frame advantage. There's very specific cert certain situations where characters will do a special move and there's a different frame kind of comparison to different characters like there are in regular in a lot of other fighting games. You said regular, it is a fighting <laughs> game. But a good example, uh, Gran in the game, if he does his EX uh, Tatsu boot attack against Charlotta, uh, he's plus... On block, right? Wait, specifically against Charlotta? Yeah, this is a specific Charlotta matchup thing. Hmm. If he goes against Charlotta and he has his EX boot, most characters cannot, like, match him. But Charlotta is very fast character, right? So yeah. her slashing light attack can almost clash with his attack if he does a follow-up. Although he, if the heavy variant of the boot is used, he does have frame advantage. He's plus on block. So it's not beneficial to do that. But if he uses a slow move, like a heavy attack or a medium attack, there's a chance that Charlotta can beat that out because she's super fast. That's, and that's super interesting. No, I've never heard of, like, match-specific frame data like that. Right. That sounds... Is that only because she's the fastest character in the game? Yes, she's, like, a speed demon. <laughs> oh, I'm maining her. Yeah. Hang on, I already called her. Oh, damn it, Joe. We, we can do ditto. Dang it, I'm playing Vassaraga. This is going to be bad for me. <laughs> Just understand that's the only character we're playing. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. I'll, I'll switch around. <laughs> Charlotta has apparently been called uh, E Honda from Street Fighter, but with a demon flip, for, like Akuma. Hmm. So Those very, very mix-uppy and very unga bunga y gotcha. character. Those are both huge characters, but she's easily the shortest on the roster. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> that is correct. Lasaraga, super slow, has to install armor manually, oh my gosh. which I, I actually like that. Oh, really? <laughs> I like the added thing to do, the strategy of it, because he has a move where he just walks at you slowly, dragging his scythe behind you. That's kick-ass. Oh, my gosh. Really, really cool. I'll show you guys more after this. But, yeah, mm -hmm. go. we encourage people to go look up Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. comes out March 3rd in the United States. Uh, great characters. Great game. Very visually looking. Look up some gameplay. There's a lot of people right now who already have it. Right. I was looking mm -hmm. up gameplay, and I'm seeing, like, it looks almost as good as Fighters does. When I look at Fighters, it's just like one of the most exciting uh, games to watch, period. Right. And like I said, I was not a huge advocate of the game until I saw more footage of it. However, this does not mean it's a perfect game. Of course. There are There's a character right now called Lowane that's making waves with it because of his very uh, <laughs> online-focused tactics, is what I'll call it. Oh, what, what does that what do you mean? Oh, man, he has... His regular super skybound art is him getting like piggyback ride from his two companions, but he has armor on all the moves he does during that. So even if you touch him, he just like wait like infinite armor. Yeah, he's completely armored for the time limit of that. Oh gosh! But that's not even the worst part. The biggest issue right now is the super skybound art. When people characters are thirty percent or below on health and have full super meter, they can do a enhanced like super. And his is to summon a large goddess character. Which you cannot damage Lowane during the course of that happening. And she has moves that do like 20% chip damage, unblockable lows, uh, 
just a peripheral. Like I'm sorry, did you say twenty percent chip damage? Yes. What? <laughs> what happens if they don't walk? <sighs> I don't even want to think about it. So how is this online focused? Because theoretically, those moves are slow, mm. and you can react to them in an offline setting. But online, when there's a game, since Grand Blue unfortunately uses delay based netcode, I see. There, your frames are super delayed and you can't react in time. And you have to have really tight stuff. To is that. this something that like players are noticing what, that are playing the game now? Or is this something we just seen from the trailers? Or playing the game now. Playing the game? Yeah, okay. playing the game now. That's horrifying. Yep. Every I, character in the game has a spot dodge and a dash forward. Like how KOF 14 has the invincible role, they have like kind of an invincible dash forward and an invincible spot dodge, which is how you counter that. That's how you counter that super. However, you can't really input that expecting it to come out immediately, especially when it's like fast. Right. And you mistime it, you come out of it and you get hit. Especially online. Especially online. That's sad though. I don't like how when fighting games have like a sort of different experience online. That's why, in my opinion, the ideal way to play fighting games is just, you know, in a chair next to your friend. Support your locals. Yeah. And that's why I appreciate, you know, <laughs> stuff like Fighters Guild, where I'm actually yep. able to come, come there and just play video games with friends. I'll never oversell it enough. <laughs> support your locals people <laughs> there's nothing quite like being in person with your opponent because like you can shake hands after the match you can have fun during the, the match. shake hands man that makes it if, yeah if you don't see your opponent during the entire thing and you're just looking at a screen you're kind of just fighting a cpu and you can get <laughs> mad at nothing and that's not a way to live yeah it's not healthy not healthy at all i always love playing online especially with people who i like playing online to the degree of, I love online ranking systems. Like, that's mm -hmm. just a me thing. I love being able to, like, increase my rank. I think I got that when I was playing Killer Instinct and I grinded to, like, the second highest rank. Oh, boy. And that was, I was very happy to, like, get those ranks. But it made me super mad, anxious, frustrated. And when I started playing locally, I never played online again. Like, no, it's absolutely, because it's more personal. It's more about, you know, playing with people than actually, you know. Yeah. It's so social. Yeah, right. Unfortunately, not a lot of people have that opportunity or they don't know where their locals are. And so they can only play online. That was me before I came to college. Right, <laughs> right. They only could play online. And sometimes, you know, you play online with somebody that you know. Right, that's again with my Skullgirls Discord server. That's, right. that's my online experience. Right, of course. But at the same time, like, that's not all inclusive. Right. So it's very important then for games that, for people who are only able to play like online ranked or online player matches, for the netcode and online experience to be good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And which is, you know, why I'm glad people can still play Street Fighter as long as it's actually in person. Yeah, I give <laughs> so much credit to people who still stick with Street Fighter Five at this point. Right. Stuck with it through the bad, even now getting to the good. I have respect for that. That's that's dedication. That's loyalty. Which is kind of what we touched on at the beginning. No kidding. Mm -hmm. Speaking of loyalty, Third Strike. Oh, <laughs> yes! That... That is easily my favorite Street Fighter game, and I'm just so happy that the community is still keeping that game alive. Yes, please. Third Strike is definitely one of the best Street Fighter games. I don't know if it's the best because I'm not super ingrained in Street Fighter. That's I love fair. it. I play it, but I'm not I'm not like traditional. I didn't grow up in the arcades. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I've played, you know, Street Fighter 2 here and there, but it seems more like um I don't know, just have fun with your friend's game than actually getting into the systems and doing things. Absolutely. I'm sure at top, like, top level, like learning to parry certain attacks. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I'm sure if you really get into Street Fighter 2, you can get some into some really nice stuff. Right. But like with Street Fighter 3rd Strike, it seems like it's the systems are a lot more accessible. Parrying mm -hmm. is super satisfying. It's just a wonderful experience to me. Mm -hmm. and it looks by far the best in the series. The pixels just 
kind of can't be replaced by what they've done. Arc Systems found a good way to mimic 2D, but the newer Street Fighter games don't really look like that. Right. I think Street Fighter Alpha, Street Fighter Third Strike, and KOF 13 have the best sprite work. Hmm. I haven't actually seen KOF 13. I need oh, to. Oh, man. We're talking about grassroots games. KOF 13 has a huge grassroots scene. Really? Because KOF 14 came out, and people did not like the 3D graphics of it. It was the first time King of Fighters went into 3D, and so people were unhappy about it. The gameplay mechanics were dumbed down, but still complex enough to make it a KOF game. Mm-hmm. But in, compared to KOF 13, that system was extremely complicated. <laughs> the trial mode in that game is still one of the hardest to do. If anybody can like go grab King of Fighters 13, it's like $10, try to do the A trial mode in that game. It is super complicated. Goodness. Some, because Yeah, they had a system where they could cancel special moves into other special moves for a little bit of bar, so it just allowed for combos to be all over the place. <laughs> oh my gosh. And people still play KOF 13? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Oh, Even though it has one of the worst online ever. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, if you meet in person, it completely subverts that difficulty. Mm-hmm, absolutely. King of Fighters 13 is a great fighting game. It's one of the best King of Fighters out there. I honestly put it on par. Like, it's equal. KOF 14, you got to understand. That's I have some bias towards that. Oh, really? Yeah, it was my first King of Fighters game. Uh, it got me into the series. It really got me into the lore of the characters and the lore of the series in general. And then I bought, like, some of the old Fatal Fury games and got into those. And that was crazy. I loved that. Then I got King of Fighters 13 a lot later down the road, and it is, without a doubt, the best sprite work artwork in any fighting game. Damn, really? It, no, like, you look at it, you look at Kim Capuan's pants for two minutes, <laughs> and you you just know. Is it like Ken's pants in Third Strike? Where well, they I mean, just... His idle animation, idle animation is him constantly bouncing, and the pants are waving and moving along with him with different shading. That's crazy. No, that's good. That's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, my favorite sprite work in a fighting game is still Skullgirls. Yeah. Just because there are an inexorbitant amount of, like, frames in each animation. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. I think it actually won a world record. Right. <laughs> now, Skullgirls is a visually impressive game. No kidding. I think that's, like, one of the w- reasons me and Joe were actually, you know, gravitating to it. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. just kind of wish that you could go back to the the beta release version. <laughs> the, the partially drawn frames, the, the sketches. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> That'll be DLC in Skullgirls too. It'll be great. It don't they have so long just to make the sprites that those were released when they were testing gameplay. Right. Do they have Easter eggs to that in their training room? Because I know there's like a chalkboard in the background or something like that. I've never seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I wouldn't I really wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> there's so much love that goes into those kind yeah, of no games. No kidding. And like, speak, like in there's still like, Easter eggs in like Skullgirls. Like I remember one of Beowulf's animations is him like cutting a hole in reality right? with his chair. <laughs> and then all of a sudden the head animator like notices and just covers up the hole. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, I know that it, speaking of like cameos and references and other fighting games towards like themselves or each other, in KOF 13, you can see Halmaru sitting <laughs> in the background. <laughs> How he lived from medieval times to the point of modern KO, King of Fighters 13, I don't know, but I, I don't know. It's better it. if it's not explained, you know? Let's talk, that's actually, actually, you two play Samurai Showdown, mm-hmm. as do I. So let's talk about that a little bit. Sounds good. Samurai Showdown, it may not be as visually, like, super impressive as the games we just talked about. Well, I mean, graphics-wise, I agree. But I think presentation-wise, it really does, you know, it has a theme. It has, like, very, it's very Japan. It is very, <laughs> very Japan. And, you know, that's something that I personally really like. So mm-hmm. even if, you know, the graphical fidelity isn't as much as, like, I don't know, something like Marvel vs. Capcom, you know, 3, where there's, like, very distinct style to it. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. The motif of it really does sell it for me. Right. I always compared the graphics in that game to Ultra Street Fighter 4. Yes, you're very, right. Very, very similar. Very similar. Yeah, Samurai Showdown knows exactly what it's trying to be, and it owns that look completely. With the, the stylish uh, finisher moves, what do you call those? Yeah, the, su- the super special moves, I think that's what <laughs> they call it. <laughs> they kept the name simple. That's very simple. <laughs> no, I appreciate it, because at core, like, Samurai Shonen is a kind of simple game where it's mostly about neutral. You don't have, you know, a lot of combos to block your way into the game. I think me and Joe were able to pick up the game uh, very quickly because of that. All you need is the special inputs, and then neutral dictates everything else. And it mm-hmm. feels great to play. All the hits are so meaty. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Landing a heavy slash, man, it's good. That That is a good experience in that game. I love... Like, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, about how neutral can be really good when you're just feeling out a game, Mm -hmm. especially when it's not a complex game like that. That's, like, the best way to implement that. Like like you said, heavy slash, but then, do you know, like, this secret stuff? If you land a heavy slash, you can immediately cancel it into, like, a weapon deflect and stuff like that. Wait, really? Yes. Oh, my. It's like a bait. It's like you deflected a heavy slash... So they're going to go for a heavy slash. You weapon deflect. You knock their weapon oh, right out of their right. hands. Oh, so there's time for... Is, is that when they shield your heavy? Right. When they block your heavy and you bounce off and you're in this recovery animation, you would think. You can cancel it into a special move, which weapon deflect is technically a special move. I need to do that more than... Yes. Any special move? Any special move. So I, I could, like, charge after getting blocked. Correct. Wow. It's very cool. Exciting. There's new <laughs> tech. New tech to being discovered. Well, it's not. that's not necessarily new, but hell. It's a good... Topic. It's new for us. It's new for you. <laughs> and that's always good. Bird Girl has a special move where she jumps up to be, like, clinging to her bird. For so reference, he's talking about Nakaruru. <laughs> that's the one. <laughs> so you could theoretically get blocked and then immediately retreat. That's true. It's completely safe. It's oh, dude, we need good. to try that. I need to. We need to experiment this next time we play. See, this is why this is why fighting games are so great. There, you, there's always this little tidbit of tech that you don't know about, even with a game you've been playing for a super long time. Uh, I'll know for me, Killer Instinct. I learned that uh, with Fulgore. I thought I knew the character. I've been playing him for four years, but I figured out from watching somebody stream that I could. Instead of going for like a mix-up teleport behind someone, I could basically teleport in place <laughs> in order to like drop a combo intentionally or to make them like react and then be right next to them and continue pressure. Dude, that's what I do sometimes with Valentine. I just drop my combo and then just grab them. It's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's so cool. Re- resets are good. <laughs> resets are fun. It's- if you listen carefully to Benny's controller, you can hear when you stop pressing <laughs> buttons and you're ready for the grab. <laughs> See, that's the downside of playing local. People can hear your controller. Speaking of controllers, let's talk a little bit about some controllers that are out nowadays. Mm-hmm. You go- Okay, I'm going to ask the obvious question. Pad or stick? Uh, if you asked me before I came to college, I would have definitely said stick. I, ha- I spent, like, $200 on my Mad Cat's TE2, and that was one of the worst decisions I've ever made. <laughs> um, just because I figured, oh, all the buttons are there, everything's easy to get to, I don't need to worry about going around my controller to get to the heavy, uh, to the heavy buttons. Mm-hmm. But, you know, ever since coming to Fighters Guild, and, you know, seeing everyone be on pad, I decided, you know, I'll give this a shot. And then, all of a sudden, it's just so much more comfy. At least for me. And I think it's a matter of preference. Because, you know, you see Steve coming around right, with his fight right. stick all the time. And I'm sure he's happy with that. But, I don't know. Nowadays, I'm into pad. However, I will say, I do want to try... Uh, what, what are those things called? The um, It's like the fight sticks with the keys. Mm-hmm. The uh, They have a special name. Uh, the hitbox. The hitbox, yes, mm-hmm. that. 
Hitboxes are really nice because they have, instead of the movement, they have, like, keys for movement. Yes. Like regular arcade stick buttons. So, like, uh, a D-pad? Yeah, a D-pad on a regular controller or an arcade stick. More specifically, it's like a WASD pad. Oh, so it looks like a computer keyboard. It looks like a computer keyboard on the left, but then on the right you have uh, arcade code? sticks buttons. Yeah. Okay, so no no stick on there at all. No stick on there at all. No, no stick. I, I'm sure that'd be a lot better for some people. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of people who play, like, on PC, and they like the keyboard aspect of it. Yeah, I tried that. I was, like, playing with WASD on the, on the left, and then, like, I used, like, the numpad for my uh, right. actual attacks. That's how I played for a bit. It was pretty good. Right. I have tried to play King of Fighters 13 a little bit like that, but I can't find the attack buttons on oh, my keyboard. No. <laughs> so I just plug in a controller and I keep it that way. No, I gotcha. I am a little bit of an oddity because I play on analog stick on controller, which is to a lot of people would be like, oh man, this guy's a scrub. No. No, I personally play on D-pad, but I know that like Joe is better than me in Skullgirls and he plays on analog stick. So it is just significantly more comfortable for my thumb to be able to slide around the input. No, I get that. Mm-hmm. I just, great. Mm-hmm. I believe you. It's just for me, I think, I like having that very precise movement of, right. I know exactly what is being pressed at what time. Exactly. I think in NRS games, it really hurts me to play on analog, because when mm. I played on pad, I have the back forward motions a lot more precise. <laughs> right. But I get, I've been playing NRS games for, since I was like eight. Oh, with wow. MK Trilogy on the Xbox 360. But, so like, I am used to the controller life. And I'll stick to the analog stick as far as I play fighting games because right. I don't I don't feel really comfortable with anything else. I've tried stick, I've tried pad, I have not tried hitbox. Hmm. I have not tried hitbox or anything like that. Do we need to get a hitbox? There is a thing called the cross up. It is a PlayStation 4 controller that is significantly different. It is it has way more precision inputs. I don't know the exact specifics. Well, does it have a stick? Uh yes, I believe it has an analog stick. People feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. but I think it still has a stick. It's just got their pad is way more precise with <laughs> inputs, way more than any regular PS4. How so? It's almost like a customized PS4. You replace the D-pad on a normal DualShock 4, and you replace it with something where instead of like when you press one button on a regular DualShock, the other one goes down just a little bit, which can mess things up. In this one, it's just each... Button is, like, independent of each other. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I've seen controllers like that. That's interesting. Um, like, when you press down on a regular DualShock 4, the, it's all underneath the surface. It's all in the same, like, kind of circle. Right, no, no. He's saying, like, if it's, like, the Switch, where, like, the D-pad on the Joy-Cons are oh, completely yes. independent. Right. Very similar to that. Mm-hmm. My apologies. Speaking of which, do you, either of you play any fighting games or have played any fighting games on the Switch? We played Skullgirls on the Switch, and I think Joe can tell you how that was. <laughs> okay. the, the released version of Skullgirls should not speak for the Switch as a whole because it was definitely the software that was the issue. That. <laughs> it was full of glitches and basically unplayable, even though I loved the game. That's fair. I mean, I think it's fair to say that they probably patched it by now. Oh, they definitely have. It was so much better just one week later. Okay. I still haven't gone back to it because... Why would I play it there when I can play it on the PS4? Right. I'll tell you why. Because you get that awesome squiggly animation on the Switch version. It was a unique animation for my main. <laughs> I really want to see it more, but it's only on the Switch for some reason. And I right. cannot tell you why. Oh my goodness. But I, yeah, I've played Blaze Blue Cross Tag and Mortal Kombat 11. I think are the only two fighting games I really played on the Switch besides Pokemon DX. But I'm not going to count that one because that was a uh, Switch slash Wii U. Wii U prior to it exclusive. Right. I felt that the Switch was good for what it is, 
And I liked it when I was playing uh, Ultra Street Fighter 2 port prior to when 30th Anniversary came out on the Switch. That was a great, like, pick-up-and-go game. But the thumb pad on some of those controllers, even though uh, I would have to have a pro controller, right? Mm -hmm. Which is basically just having a regular DualShock or Xbox controller. But if I had to play on, like, the actual... Uh, Switch itself, like on the Joy-Cons, even if attached to the screen or one of their like controller setups that they have, the thumbstick is too small. I have big hands. It's not going to work. It's definitely not ideal. And I remember like one of the big reasons I was actually attracted to the Switch was because I thought, oh man, this would be a great way to play fighting games with other people like on the go or something. Right. I could just hand them a Joy-Con and we can play. And that's why I was actually um, really interested in that. There was this one really uh, interesting fighting game with a bunch of like tiny characters, like something Rumble. I don't know. <laughs> Feel free to tell us. I don't know what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, but like, I don't know. It was, it was a game I was interested in playing, if nothing else, just because it would be a game to play with uh, friends on the Switch. Mm -hmm. But then I realized the Switch controller is not ideal. I mean, just half a Joy-Con right. is not ideal for fighting games. Of course. Even the whole Joy-Cons put together just feels wrong. Right. Something about it. Just know. something small. Maybe it's the positioning of the stick. Right. It could be. Like, the stick is very high up, and you have to move your thumb very high up. Well, I mean, it depends on which half you're using. Too. Right, honestly. <laughs> It's a, it's a very complicated thing. Mm -hmm. but let's go back a little bit. Okay. Uh, Joe, you mentioned Squiggly having a unique animation in on the Switch version. That's right. This kind of brings me into a topic that I've wanted to talk about a while. Characters. Mm -hmm. Characters sell fighting games. That is 100% certain. Mm -hmm. What are some of the characters that you guys have done outside of Skullgirls <laughs> that have really attracted you to fighting games that you otherwise would not normally play? Okay, so in, in Undernight... I wasn't too keen on the game. Like, the designs were pretty nice, but, like, I I had no entry point. At one point, I was kind of forced into playing it, just for a little bit. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, <that's fine. laughs> this isn't the end of the story. This is not a negative experience. Okay, good. Yeah, so just looking at the roster, I, I found a character that, I, that kind of spoke to me. And playing that character, they were also, like, really fun to play as, too. And I can't get enough of the game anymore because, like, that character is just... So much fun. And that character so is? That character is Mika, who shouts for her own name. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hard to forget that name. There you go. It's so wonderful. Uh, I know for me, for that same game, I'll stick it to that. I ordinarily would not play Undernight. I am not. I play anime games, but not nearly as extensively. Like, I look at Blaze Blue Central Fiction, and, I'm, and I do not have much interest in it, mm. other than a couple select characters. And even then, it's like I'm not willing to put in the time or effort. Undernight, I decided to put in the time or effort because of the character Enkidu. Oh, love Enkidu. Enkidu was, he's not anymore. Uniclear has changed that, but we'll get into that. Enkidu was the worst character in <laughs> Undernight in birth. It was not even contested. He was so bad that he was in his own tier. And that's because there were so many characters who had long range specials slash attacks or neutral, blah, 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 that just invalidated him. He was minus on everything. He, all of his moves relied on frame traps and mix-ups involving his Havoc mechanic. Right. But I loved the character because of his aesthetic, voice, supers, personality. Personally, I actually really like Enkidu. Mm -hmm. If nothing else, just because mm -hmm. he's based on Enkidu from, like, the Epic of Gilgamesh. Right. I think that's kick-ass. Yep. He also had parries, which is, for me, a selling point for a character. Yeah, you play Big Band. Yeah, I play Big Band. <laughs> he, has, he has parries. <laughs> no, I'm with you. Um, personally, uh... At first, when I uh, saw Undernight, I was really attracted to the character uh, Chaos. Oh, Just nice. because, for some reason, I just love characters with glasses. <laughs> so I just picked Chaos. And I actually really enjoyed his, you know, puppet mechanic with his little dinosaur friend or whatever it is. Right. Um, but then I saw Phonon. 
And oh, I saw... Yeah. That freaking whip. <laughs> <laughs> I saw people, like, throwing around that whip. Like, it was, it was just... It looked really fun because you just didn't have to worry about range and the, more specifically the sound it made. Yeah. The sound really attracted me. And so I actually picked it up and it was just as fun as I thought it would be. Right. And now I basically just play phone on sometimes chaos. Right. I think once I started playing the game more, I also got that kind of impression from characters like Aurier. Mm-hmm. I started playing Aurier a little bit because she had a stand and I am a huge <laughs> fan of that sort of aesthetic. And I liked it and it was good. But like back to the point. Characters make fighting games. Indeed. 100%. I love playing characters. Me specifically, I like playing more sinister-looking characters that maybe are a little larger than others. That's valid. Again, check Vassaraga. That's basically all you need to know. <laughs> but I love characters that have a lot, like a dominating personality. Okay. Ones right. that are really, like, strong. <laughs> Just men, Like, they give off an energy like that. Geese Howard, Akuma... Those are all characters. How do you feel about Merkava and Undernight? Merkava is really cool. And Mm -hmm. if another person I didn't know will be on a podcast later, didn't play him, (laughs) I would play him. Okay, good. Bordeaux is also really cool in that Mm -hmm. game. Just Mm -hmm. sticking to Undernight. But let's uh, let's talk about Undernight a little bit more. Uniclear just came out very recently. I know. Like, I saw, like, in um, Recon, we -hmm. have, like, the the update for uh, Unis came out. Right. And I saw that there was, like, a character lock. Right. There is a new character. For the record, for all you don't know, Recon is the recreation and entertainment convention that happens at Miami University around this time uh, every year. Uh, feel free to look it up for next year. It's mm-hmm. ending today. So that's what it stands for. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, I didn't know either. <laughs> but Joe, how do you feel about Uniclear? Um, I'm looking forward to more from the series. If they don't change too much about the mechanics, it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. As long as Mika gets to keep her gimmick of I can go anywhere on the screen whenever I want. Yeah, he really likes the mobility <laughs> aspect. It's what I noticed. Mobility characters is a Joe thing. <laughs> That's okay. good. That's good. I really like Uniclear coming out because um, although they haven't announced whether it's going to be on PC or not. Dude, I hope it is. I hope it is. I know Samurai Showdown is the other game that's coming to PC. It needs to go to PC mm-hmm. very soon. I was not. I can only play it at Fighters Guild, and I want to play it, you know, at home, because I love Rimururu, and I want to learn her. (laughs) There you go. Speaking of characters making fighting games. There you go. (laughs) There you go. I like how Uniclear is changing. Like, first of all, it's a balance patch. Mm -hmm. It's got a new character, uh, whose name I do not know off the top of my head, but I know he wields I know he's a cool dude. Yeah, he's a cool dude. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's I love how fighting games are getting a lot more spotlighted and how the Undernight scene, if we're going to talk about grassroots and go full circle on this conversation, right? they were so good at encouraging their community that they got into Evo. No right? kidding. <laughs> what a That's such a great win for grassroots fighting games. It really is. I mean, and it makes me all the more happy because, you know, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is now on Evo. And mm-hmm. it's just like, I don't know. Right. My heart is melting. Mm-hmm. Bring in the games that matter instead of these... Old timers that really should just <laughs> <laughs> you got you got to focus on the communities like those are the things that make the games great and the Eunice community has been advocating and advocating for years and they have kept numbers which is the things that like the bigger Evo people notice and they noticed it and they added them and it their tournament last year was amazing and now I like watching Eunice tournaments right <laughs> so great I mean. I just love Eunice just because, you know, the Vorpal system is outstanding. Oh, yeah. The Vorpal system, the mechanics, grid. Look it up, guys. It, there's a lot of depth in that game, and it's really fun. Mm-hmm. It's, there are characters like Yuzuriya. Every character does super unique stuff. No character is limited in any fashion. Which, again, goes back mm-hmm. to my, you know, idea of I like characters to be varied. Yep. Characters, 
extremely varied. Everyone on the roster feels powerful in their own way. That's the way to make fighting games. That's how you keep your community involved, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, let's uh, do one more point here to finish up. Eunice and Evo, right? Right. What is another like grassroots game pro- other than Skullgirls? Damn it. <laughs> other oh than Skullgirls that you would love to see either A, stay at Evo if it already has a spot. Mm-hmm. Or B, gain an Evo spot in the f- upcoming years. Since Marvel 2 proved that games from a while ago, and Undernight proving that grassroots can stay in and older games can make it. Mm-hmm. If you had like a retro title or a grassroots title that could be in other than Skullgirls, what would it be? All right, well, I think it's cheating to say Undernight because it's already there. Right. <laughs> but like, yeah, Undernight. But if I were to pick like a new fighting game, definitely Zatch... No, not Zatch Bell. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for reference, this is a game I brought in as a joke for me and Joe to play. That game it was burn. It was bad, man. <laughs> Zatch Bell Mamoto Battles. Look it, it up. It's a great, terrible game. It's a great, terrible game. <laughs> I cannot believe how awful neutral is. Yeah, it's like you literally just mash the block button and you parry everything. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, what do you think? Uh, uh, so you, you've banned the games that... Sorry, the, the game that I played the most. <laughs> you already mentioned Undernight. It can be uh, a game that's already there that you want to stay there. Let's go. Let's go undernight. My ideal <laughs> Evo is just Skullgirls. Skull Skullgirls and Undernight. The only two tournaments. You only you need those. I don't care much about many other games. Right. I won't. I won't say Killer Instinct because that's cheating for me. Because you already have the uh, combo breaker. Right. I have combo breaker. Killer Instinct's always going to be mid late title. Right. And no, <laughs> Skullgirls is also a combo breaker. Right. right. So it is. and I should be happy about mm-hmm. that. If I wanted to bring in one other game that's like that, I would probably either a bring back Guilty Gear X or two. Oh boy, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, because there are still, there's, even when Strive comes out, there will still be a dedicated fan base to that game because the mechanics are so much different. Right. And after watching Frosty Faustings, I like watching Guilty Gear XR <laughs> tournaments. Those are really fun. No, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I would also like to see like Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 have Right. Like- yeah, I would love to see that return. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, guys, we're out of time with this episode of Wake Up Options, but thank you all for listening. And again, This is presented by Miami University's Fighters Guild. The opinions here are not affiliated with the organization or the university as a whole. And we thank you so much. My name is Matt. I have Joe and Benny here today. And thanks again. Thank you very much for listening. Yes, thank you. Please come back later. Yep. (laughs) Please subscribe. Talk to you later.